Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Tennis Express and Tennis Tours. Thank you very much for joining me on today's episode. I can't wait to get to our topics on today's show, new topics. Yes, I'm recording a, a new show today. And before I get to that, I want to let you all know about the next Essential Tennis Clinic. I've done clinics all around the country now for listeners of the podcast and, and fans of Essential Tennis in general. I really love doing them because it's so great to work in person with people that are fans of the site. They're, they're players that always work really hard, are great listeners, and I, I just feel like a lot is always accomplished at these weekend events. And the next one is going to be in New York City, April 16th and 17th, actually in the city. And I, I don't have full details and sign up available yet on the website. I'm working on that. I'm going to have full details available next week. But if you want to email me in the meantime and kind of get yourself on the list right away, you can do that. There's only going to be seven spots available for this clinic. So if you're in New York City or you know in the New York City area, please shoot me an email to ian at essentialtennis.com and I can give you more information as it becomes available. All right, let's go ahead and get to today's show. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. All right, our first topic on today's show is coming to us from Andrew S. in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He wrote to me and said, I'm a 3.0 player. And with the exception of my serve, I have the goods of being a 3.5. When I'm hitting with my 3.5 friends, I do great. I can hit good shots from all parts of the court, but when it comes to match play, I, really, I have a really tough time winning. Even against a weaker 3.0 player, I lose and sometimes very badly. I've played basketball since I could walk and can beat guys that are much more skilled than I am. I guess in basketball, I just know how to win. I get so frustrated when I play tennis and lose to a player that I feel I have a competitive advantage over. To sum it all up, I guess I just need to learn how to win in tennis. Do you have any tips on helping me raise my tennis IQ? Thanks a ton, Andrew. Andrew, that's an excellent question. And, and basically what you're looking for are the most essential elements to being able to go out there and, and just win. And there's a lot to be said for what you are describing, being able to beat a player who is more quote unquote skilled than you are is definitely something that's possible. And everybody listening that has much experience in competing at tennis knows exactly what Andrew is talking about. We have all lost to that player that has ugly strokes. It doesn't look like he or she really is a good player in general, but for whatever reason, just knows how to win. So what are those elements that that kind of make up for that, that, that lack of skill? What are the elements that really are can explain the ability to, to just know how to win at tennis? 
And Andrew here, I assume, is looking for singles-specific advice, which is what I'm going to be giving him today. And we're going to break this down pretty quickly into three main areas that I feel that you really need to understand the most, Andrew, and you need to develop and be aware of the most to be able to have that kind of just inherent ability to just just know how to win matches, even if you're not the most skilled person on the court. So we're going to break this into three areas. And the first one, it has to do with consistency. At most levels of tennis, consistency is king. And you need to really understand that fully, especially around your level. Once you start getting up into uh, stronger 4-0, 4 definitely stronger 4-5 or 5-0 player, uh, you need to have some weapons for sure once you get up into those ranges of ability levels because if you don't, they will <laughs> most likely. At, at a 5-0 level, you're not going to play many players whose main skill or main way of winning is just putting the ball in the court. They're going to have some way of hurting you and some way of having offense to be able to put the ball away. But at a 3-0 level or a 3-5 level for sure, consistency is is really the foundational skill that you need to develop now. It's what you're going to build the rest of your game on top of as you continue to develop and continue to move up and level. And so you have to learn consistency now. If you don't, if you don't, if you're not able to just put the ball in the court reliably now and you instead work on weapons and impressive shots and ways to just finish points and put the ball away, um, you're going to be very one-dimensional and you're going to have a very hard time beating players that are smarter than you or have a, a higher tennis IQ than you do, as you put it. So it's incredibly cliche, but as everybody says in tennis, the last person to make a shot wins. Whoever puts the ball in the court last wins the point. And that's the case for the, for the match as well. Whoever puts, puts the ball in the court last in the match is, is the winning player. So, you know, and I'm not going to go into detail on technique, but you need to learn solid fundamental technique and you need to repeat it enough times that you can reliably do it at a moment's notice and be able to just make a forehand and just make a backhand and just make your serve, etc., etc. So you need to develop your consistency. A mantra that that I am constantly repeating to myself when I compete at, at, at my level of play is make him play, make him play. This is something that I especially repeat when I'm returning serve. And when I have a break chance, which is big at a, at a 5-0 level, being able to break your opponent's serve, uh, I repeat to myself again and again as I'm getting ready to re- receive that serve, make him play, make him play, make him play. I want to make sure that even if I don't hit uh, a really big, impressive, you know, uh, something that you would consider a 5-0 level return of serve, even if it's not that, I'm going to be absolutely certain that I make him hit some kind of shot because the pressure is on that player. And if you if you can go through an entire match that way and just make your opponent play consistently, uh, you know, every single point, make him play, make him do something, you're going to find yourself winning more points and, and more matches. So that's number one, consistency. And I'm not going to get any more specific than that right now. Number two is understanding the percentages and play them almost exclusively. And this is a topic I'm not going to get into a lot of detail on either because I have in, in previous shows. But understand that from the baseline, most of your shots should be going cross-court. 
most of the time. There are exceptions to that, but the majority of the time you should be aiming cross court because it's a it's a higher percentage shot. It makes your opponent move more because you're hitting at an angle. And that's all I'm going to say about that. It, it follows the directionals. And the directionals don't say you should always hit cross court, but the majority of the time that's the way you should be aiming is cross court from the baseline. When you approach the net, the vast majority of the time you should be aiming down the line. Honestly, if you just follow those two rules, if you hit the majority of your baseline shots cross court, the majority of your approach shots down the line, and you make a, a high percentage of your serves and a high percentage of your returns, you're going to be really hard to beat. Honestly, if you just do those four simple things, and I don't mean to say simple like it's easy to do, but it's simple in terms of you know concept. Conceptually, those are very simple things and, and things that you can really work on. They're tangible things that you can develop in practice and really focus on during match play that are very, very um, directly related to your success. Now, if you'd like more in-depth information on why you approach down the line and why you should hit most shots cross courts, listen to podcast number 156 and 157. And there's more, uh, there's many more podcasts as well that cover these topics. You can look in the archives at essentialtennis.com slash podcast. And I think there's a, a category just for singles tactics. Yeah, there is. So you can look under that category and there's going to be hours of content there about those topics. So that's number two, understanding the percentages and playing them almost, ex- almost exclusively. And then number three, the third part that's really essential as far as raising your IQ is being mentally and tactically ruthless. And something tells me that since you have a lot of experience already playing other sports, basketball is the one that you mentioned, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. And this is something that you absolutely do when you do play basketball. But I have a couple of specifics here that you should keep in mind and and things that you should continue to work on. First of all, find out, and you want to do this as early as possible in any match you play, find out what your opponent doesn't like, find out what makes them frustrated on the court, and then make them do it again and again and again and again. (laughs) And that might sound mean, especially to those of you out there who have uh, a little bit more... um, of a compassionate personality, but if you really want to win, what it comes down to largely is finding out what your opponent does not like and then make them do it over and over and over and over again, and that will make you successful. It's not that you're doing it because you don't like them, because they're your enemy and you're you're trying to make them angry, but to be totally honest, if you do this, it very likely, you know, it's very possible it will end up making them angry at the end of the day, but you're simply doing it because you are a good competitor. You want to win. That's the point of competition is doing whatever you can to win within the rules and within what's socially acceptable. And, you know, I'm not talking about gamesmanship here. I'm talking about legitimate tactics that you can use to be as successful as possible. And probably the most important one is what I just talked about Find what they don't like, make them do it over and over again. Number two, under being mentally and tactically ruthless, know your strengths and use them as often as possible. And you mentioned that you don't like your serve a whole lot, Andrew. I I don't know what your strengths are specifically. You don't mention them. Maybe it's your volleys. Maybe it's your forehand. Maybe it's your backhand. I don't know. But you need to be aware of what that is and then go out of your way to use it as often as possible. 
if you just take the these first two suggestions that I have and really implement them as much as you can, you will be successful at the recreational level playing tennis, um, exploiting their weaknesses over and over and using your strengths over and over. If you do those two things, you're going to be very successful. And then thirdly, be aware of the result-based and emotional momentum. Uh, when I say result-based, I mean who's winning the points. So, And there, there are always momentum swings back and forth during matches where maybe you'll win two, three, four points in a row, or maybe you'll go on a run of like winning five out of seven points you know, in a set of points, or maybe vice versa. You need to be aware of that. You also need to be aware of emotional momentum. I, I mentioned just a second ago, your opponent getting frustrated, getting angry. You need to be aware of when you have the momentum, both in terms of who is winning the points and also in terms of emotional stability and mental stability. If you feel if you sense that you are gaining momentum you're you're on a roll you're winning points your your opponent is getting frustrated with themselves they're getting upset they don't feel like they're playing well you need to be very aware of that and then crush them <laughs> know when it's happening and then that's when you really bear down mentally and you're as focused and sharp as possible and you just put the screws to them and and you pressure them as much as you can and that's when you're the most focused and you really make sure that you're using your strengths, you really make sure that you're going to their weakness and you just make sure that you put them away. Um, and it's really, really important to be aware of those uh, momentum swings and, and be able to take advantage of them and, and know when it's really, really important in a match to really be playing your best and really be the most focused and have the most amount of concentration. So, Andrew, there you go. There's uh, my quick outline there for raising your tennis IQ. Just a brief overview. Number one was consistency is king. You have to be consistent. That, that's where your foundation should be. Number two, understand the percentages and play them almost exclusively. Baseline shots, mostly cross-court. Approach shots, mostly down the line. Make sure you listen to previous uh, podcast episodes to get full descriptions on that. And then number three, be mentally and tactically ruthless. Find out what they don't like, know what your biggest strengths are, and then be mindful of momentum shifts. And when you have the chance, crush them and put them away. Make sure that you win the match. So, Andrew, there you go. Hopefully that's helpful to you. I think those are really the most important parts of being successful, especially right around your level at a 3-0, 3-5 type level. But that being said, all of these things absolutely apply to the rest of you that may be higher in, in level as well. They're really, really important things. So, Andrew, thanks so much for being a listener. Thanks for your question. Hopefully this was helpful to you. And let me know how you continue to progress with your tennis endeavors. Thanks a lot. All right, before we get to our second topic on today's show, I want to real quickly remind you all about the two sponsors of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Number one, TennisTours.com, where you can purchase tickets to just about any major ATP or WTA professional tennis event. Go check them out, and if you make a purchase, use the promotional code ESSENTIAL to get a discount off your purchase. And then Tennis Express is the second one. Uh, that's where you can go to get all of your gear and equipment needs met. 
And the way that you can support the Essential Tennis Podcast through them is by going to EssentialTennis.com slash Express. That'll reroute you over to Tennis Express automatically. And you can make your purchase. And a small percentage of that goes back to support the Essential Tennis Podcast. So TennisTours.com and TennisExpress.com. Both of those companies, fine institutions. I, I support them and give them my endorsement. They're both great companies. I, I know both of the owners personally, and they'll take good care of you guys. So definitely check them out. Okay, with that, let's get right into our second topic here. And it comes to us from Blake in Kansas, who's a 4.0 player. He wrote to me and said, I was thinking about an interesting and helpful topic for the podcast that would be, what parts of strokes are conscious efforts and what parts just happen naturally? I got this idea when I saw a guy at my club hitting powerful forehands. I complimented him on his forehand and said, you have a great windshield wiper motion. His response was, what's that? <laughs> what got me thinking, uh, I'm sorry, that got me thinking that aspects of the game, such as follow through on ground strokes, pronation on serves, getting into the slot on the serve and other things should not perhaps be conscious. Instead, they should happen naturally through proper technique. What are the areas of a stroke that players should focus on? Maybe the fundamentals like weight transfer. What things should we put out of our mind and just let happen due to solid technique? All right, Blake, that's a really good question. Interesting topic and uh, be happy to talk about it here. And I want to lead my response with the four stages of learning any physical skill. And some of you may have heard this before. I know I've talked about it on the podcast at some point, but it's been quite a while. I'll go through it quickly for those of you who have heard about it already. Uh, the four stages, and again, this is for learning any physical skill, tennis, uh, golf, bowling, martial arts, whatever, driving a car, you know, whatever physical skill, it doesn't have to be a sport. The four stages are, number one, being unconsciously incompetent. That means that you don't really have any information in your head about how to do the skill correctly, and you're not good at it. You're incompetent. <laughs> Stage number two, consciously incompetent. So maybe you've, you've gone and done some research. You've read a website about whatever skill you're trying to learn. You've listened to a podcast. So you, you have some awareness now, but you're still not good at it. So consciously incompetent. Number three is consciously competent. You, you're continuing to educate yourself. So you've got that information. Now you've been putting in some practice and a certain percentage of the time you can execute that skill, that physical skill correctly. So you're still aware of it and now you can start to do it correctly. And the last, the fourth and final stage is unconsciously competent. That means that you've done it enough times correctly that you don't even have to think about it anymore and you just automatically do it. And this is the ultimate. This is what you should be striving for in your tennis strokes. Everything you do on the tennis court, eventually it's, it should be your goal to do it correctly and without thinking. That's your ultimate goal. This is do it correctly without thinking at all about what you're actually doing. And so many recreational players have a million thoughts going through their head while they play, which is terrible. This bogs up your head. It makes it makes recreating physical skills like a forehand or a serve usually physically jerky and tense and just not very efficient. Plus, it distracts you from being aware of important tactical information. If you're actually competing, if you're thinking about all these different parts of your forehand and 
all these different parts of your backhand and all these different parts of your serve. Now you're focused completely on yourself and what you're trying to do with the racket instead of being aware of what's actually happening in the match and why you might be winning or losing the match. And so many recreational matches are lost exactly that way. So that's number two. Number number one in my outline was the stages of learning. Number two, your ultimate goal is to be unconscious and not think about it. Thirdly, you need to understand that every person is at different places with their technique proficiency within different strokes. That's really important to understand. Everybody's a little bit different when it comes to their development. We're all in a little bit different place. And if you're just beginning your tennis uh, goals, if, if you're just beginning your journey through the game of tennis, you may have to be conscious of something on every single stroke. You know, if you're trying to improve and you're just learning the basics and you don't have a lot of athleticism to build on and kind of use to automatically kickstart your game, it's very possible that as you begin to learn, you will have to be conscious of something for every shot you hit. And that makes it a lot of work and typically really frustrating during match play. And if you're listening and that sounds like you, please don't be frustrated. Don't be frustrated by the fact that you feel like you're just kind of in this cycle where you try to learn, you do it well in practice, you go to a match, and you're trying to concentrate on it, but you can't quite recreate it like you did on the practice court, so you don't perform well, even though you thought you knew the information, which maybe you do consciously, maybe you know the information, but you haven't done it enough times yet that you're very technically proficient at repeating it. And so you go play a match, you underperform, at least in your own, uh, to your own expectations or in your own mind, you underperform, you go back to the practice court again, finally get it to feel like it's better. You go back, play another match, and you just play terribly, and you have this cycle. Please don't get frustrated if this is happening to you. Understand that it takes time to develop strokes. It takes time to develop muscle memory. It takes time to develop an entire tennis game where everything feels solid and you're not worried and nervous about whether or not you're going to do it correctly. Hopefully, I'm making sense there, and that's clear, and and you understand. It's really important so that you don't give up on this game of tennis because you feel like it's taking too long to improve and too long to develop. That's really, I mean, that's just how it is. It's going to take you some time. Next, I want to I want to uh, um, talk about people who maybe have some natural areas of athleticism. And Blake was talking about this player that he complimented on his forehand. And the player had no idea what he was even talking about as far as the technique is concerned, uh, as far as what he was using, specifically the, the windshield wiper follow-through on his forehand. Some people are what we would describe as natural athletes, quote-unquote. They, they have kind of, and, and very often uh, people are referred to as just being gifted, like they just have good athleticism naturally. Well, usually people like that have developed a general athletic competence, usually from training at a high level at some other sport. I I would bet you that this player who seemingly has just automatically developed a windshield wiper follow-through probably has had either years and years and years of tennis experience, and it's something that has just developed 
naturally because he's just hit a lot of forehands and over time uh his it's developed as something that he has figured out has worked and it's not that he went to the internet and watched a bunch of youtube videos and then went out and practiced it and said oh this is the way rafael nadal follows through sometimes is windshield wiper and so he does it on purpose it's very possible it's something he developed naturally from playing years and years and years of tennis and practicing and getting better at it or maybe he has trained at a different sport and has gained a lot of natural or not not natural let me um correct myself a lot of learned athleticism he's trained his body to be a good athlete uh to to be good at athletic skills and so he's picked up tennis really quickly and and by the way tennis players in general usually are able to transfer their skills over to other sports very very easily in my experience that's definitely been the case now these people these types of people that have quote unquote natural athleticism may be may come into tennis with excellent technique habits without even knowing it and it sounds like that was the case with with this player that might that might seem like it's unfair but trust me these people have almost always paid their dues elsewhere through years and years of training someplace if not tennis in some other different sport so don't let that bother you too much that it seems like they somehow or another have just skipped right to the unconsciously competent part. Trust me, at some point they have put in the work to train their bodies, and it's not a fluke that they're able to pick this up without even necessarily knowing what they're doing. So basically, Blake, at the end of the day, there are not specific things that should always be conscious, that you should be thinking about, and there are not specific things that should just happen naturally and you shouldn't have to think about them they should just come as part of good technique as you put it um, it's totally different from person to person based on their individual skills their individual abilities and their individual experience experience levels in different sports or maybe even in tennis specifically so there is not a list of technical areas where i'm going to tell you all right blake these are things that you need to go out and really think about these are things that don't think about at all. It's it's just going to happen on its own. You know, I, I wish everything just happened on its own. But depending on your unique persona as an athlete and your unique experience, that list of things is going to be completely different from one person to the next. So it depends. <laughs> that's the uh, that's at the end of the day. That's the answer to your question is it is it depends. So just to uh, recap real quickly. Uh, number one was the four stages of learning any any physical st any physical skill, unconsciously incompetent, consciously incompetent, consciously competent, and unconsciously competent. Remember that it takes a lot of repetition before you can finally do something without thinking about it. But that should be your goal. And then every person is at different places in their technique. Every person has different learned abilities as an athlete. Uh, some people seem to be natural athletes, but they've put in their time, trust me. So at the end of the day, there is no set list of things that you should be thinking about and things that you should not be thinking about. So hopefully that makes sense. If you have anything further on that, feel free to let me know. My email address is ian at essentialtennis.com. And thanks very much for being a listener. I appreciate you submitting your question. Really good topic to talk about. All right, that's it for today's episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast. 
episode number 159. Thank you very much for joining me on today's show. I really appreciate having you as a listener. And starting this week, I'm going to get back on track with comments again. I apologize that I've just been totally overwhelmed the last couple of weeks and have not been able to continue keeping up with the, the comments as I did previous weeks, but I'm going to get right back on track starting today. So if you have any specific thoughts, comments, questions about anything I talked about on this episode of the podcast, go to EssentialTennis.com slash podcast, click on episode number 159, and tell me your, your thoughts and your comments. And at the end of next week's show, number 160, I'm going to read some of those comments and, uh, and respond to them. So we'll have a little back and forth here between myself and, and those of you listening, which I always really enjoy doing. So go leave your comments. I'll read some of them next week. And until then, thank you very much for listening. Take care and good luck with your tennis. Tennis.